0: On vinyl, 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 two best friends shooting the shit about their favorite title, <laughs> Spencer and Aaron. And that's all there is now. It's <laughs> Miss Vince on vinyl for me.
1: <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Straker, and I'm an actor, comedian. And what are your tits?
1: Uh, my name is Aaron, Aaron Walsh, and I'm also a tit. Now there's only two tits, we used to be a tree tit a treat it
0: <laughs> we used to be a treat it we used to be like the the uh uh alien hooker on uh total recall and now yeah. we are like farrah faucet
1: yeah now we're normal um we're normal. yeah <laughs> except we're on zoom which and you're across the country you're yeah two time I, zones away
0: i guess there's there's two things that we need to bring up before we uh uh get into the pod thing number one we are recording on zoom right now. Uh, So apologies to everyone, because I know that the audio is not going to be uh, the quality that you are used to. Uh, Our voices will be crackly, I assume. Uh, There will be some pauses. Uh, But uh, I am out in uh, Halifax right now, and I'm going to be touring around Nova Scotia and then the Northwest Territories and uh so this is the best that we can do right now unfortunately but we wanted to make sure that we could have a lot of content for you guys while uh i was gone and uh so that you wouldn't forget about us because it's all about the algorithm
1: <laughs> yeah and i mean i even went out and bought a mic and we used fucking zoom <laughs> it's oh, probably man. making zero difference i spent 70 dollars on this mic
0: oh um... dude i'm sorry yeah, we used to use Squadcast uh for our guests, but uh Squadcast got <laughs> absorbed by Descript and then uh my Squadcast account, I had paused the subscription, but it didn't pause it. So it just said that I owed a bunch of money, and then I paid Descript money, and then it wouldn't let me use Descript. So I don't know what the hell is happening there, but uh yeah, not not the ideal situation. So we're on Zoom. The, the, yeah. That's the long and that's the long intent of it. You know, I mean, uh, even
1: when we usually do this podcast, we never used a script anyway, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly, very, very true, very Uh-oh. nondescript,
1: <laughs> yes. But in other news, like, uh, I guess it's kind of sad, like, we have been on a bit of a hiatus for like, I don't know, it's been like over a month now. Um, we yeah, dropped one
0: 36 days
1: um and for for good reason um you know we had some we had a plan for when you went away like we talked about it a couple of times on the podcast i don't know if those episodes <laughs> even got released but we talked about banking a bunch of episodes um so we can uh you know post them while you're away um you know we put some work into doing that but uh unfortunately as we've mentioned before uh sam is uh no longer with us on the podcast he's still with us in real life but he's just no <laughs> longer
0: <with laughs> the us. way that you started that sounded <laughs> like he fucking died <laughs> he
1: didn't die he didn't die uh yeah like you know sam has decided to you know chase some other creative pursuits um elsewhere and uh He's branched away from the podcast. And we love him and we miss him and we wish him all the best. We're still friends Um, for all the, you know, juicy gossip on TMZ. That's going to come out about this. Um, but yeah, we miss Sam and uh, we're happy that he's, you know, pursuing some new things and uh, we'll figure it out. We'll move forward. We're going to, you know, hire some and, guy on Fiverr and
0: and then, and yeah, or some, some recent fucking state grad. That was kind of my it. thought. I was like, we'll get, we'll get some kid that's fresh out of broadcasting school. Uh, the to do the job because uh you know fresh out of broadcasting school they need credits and probably yes. an extra couple hundred dollars a month. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we're talking about that, and we're also talking about maybe getting in in a studio somewhere here soon, possibly having our own space come the new year. So there's exciting things in the works for us going forward here on the, on the podcast.
0: On the podcast. And, and we should clarify too, like uh, you know, if for anybody wondering, like uh, you know uh, like we do have uh, like some of the episodes um, that we pre-recorded, uh, but because Sam's uh, no longer a part of the podcast, he didn't want his uh, voice in it. So we, we have to go through and like edit those. So we don't know how much of those we will be able to use. So we're kind of gonna play it by ear. We do have all of those documents still written, so we can pre record. We can re record those episodes, um, yep. and we have to re record one anyways because we had <laughs> Brett Cassidy on it. Then we uh, lost the whole episode, so uh, uh, that one really sucks. I still have to tell Brett about that. Uh, I uh, just don't want to break his sweetheart. <laughs> fuck, he's such a sweetheart. It was uh, such a
1: good episode too. Uh. I know,
0: and it was it was so early in the morning. We the fucking goddamn. I still haven't woken up that early since then.
1: I know. Like... Usually, usually you sleep in when we have a guest on that early. <laughs> 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 but, anyways, hey, Dude, I'm happy I'm to be back. I'm happy, I'm to, have happy to be back, back. too. I-, I missed you, bro. I'm excited for the next chapter of the podcast. We're going to be getting back to that consistency that we, you know, wanted to, you know, we kind of set forth for ourselves going forward. So, you know, from here on forth hold us accountable
0: (laughs) yeah and and please message us and tell us that we should kill ourselves if we don't maintain consistency because i i i need more people to tell me that they want me dead um i don't get it nearly enough on tiktok i Mm. would like it to come from our own fans honestly that would be the thing (laughs) that i would appreciate is hearing that from people who actually know me um i'm already uh, on the (laughs) ledge
1: just just push me
0: just push me (laughs) (laughs) finish me finish me (laughs) finish me off bro come on (laughs) hit me hard daddy Uh, like uh the one thing i will say though is uh this is actually our one year anniversary
1: well there we Um, go look at that so
0: that's pretty exciting this is coming out on our one year anniversary and this is episode 44 or 45 i forget which um but in all honesty pretty goddamn good for our first year that we only missed a couple of weeks um and a lot of times it was out of our control you know like uh, like fucking things happen but you know uh we did pretty good for our first year and thank you everybody who has been tuning in for a year because it's been it's been so much fun doing this podcast i unlike the year is podcast we will not quit when we hit two years
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna keep going with this thing and see where it takes us um but uh, in other news I do have to bring up something that, uh, you know, happened um, in your life, Spencer. Oh, um, yeah. You did the thing that I did. <laughs> you didn't tell anybody you were going to go get engaged. Oh, yes. I thought you were talking about shitting myself because I did that recently. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I didn't hear about that. We could talk about that later. Talk about your love first. But yeah, yeah. Man, congratulations, man. I'm so happy for you and Javon. That's a uh, It's really awesome news. We hung out briefly after. Um before you left, and it was uh, you know, warm and bubbly. I'm so happy for you. It, it was it was quite the quite the fucking experience,
0: let me tell you. I was terrified. Uh and I had it planned out, like I did exactly like you did. I didn't tell anybody for the whole time. And except for there was one person who I told, which was my best friend from high school. And then the whole trip, he kept messaging me and being like, Did you do it yet? And I'm like, No, he's like, Well, fucking get on it. And so like <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, what, what ended up happening was we were staying at my grandparents' place uh, out in uh, Nelson, D.C., and uh, it's been in our family for, like, well over 100 years, and so it's a really special place to me, uh, and my original plan was to get Siobhan's grandma's uh, engagement ring and propose with that, but I couldn't find it, and it turns out Siobhan's, oh, burp, sorry, <laughs> uh, Siobhan's, uh... <laughs> that was so tasty um <laughs> so tasty eh dude i had sushi earlier i uh, was uh, so like i thought you were gonna say a donair no dude i i listen that's what gave me the shits that made me shit myself okay i die <laughs> in a donair uh <laughs> king of donair king of don't fucking wear white pants
1: uh king of don't eat there don't <laughs> eat there oh,
0: <laughs>
1: oh so good you had a missed uh, opportunity
0: that was a missed opportunity. Thank you for jumping on that because I fucking dropped the ball there. I uh, uh but yeah, no, I, I planned on uh proposing with uh, her grandma's mother's engagement ring. Uh then I couldn't find it. Uh so I went to some hippie store in Nelson, BC <laughs> and I fucking got <laughs> like a like a uh you know an and, uh fucking a jewel stone ring, you know, like something that was it was nice, like it looked good. It's just it was a proxy ring, right? Um But it was funny because when I was in the store, I'm like asking the lady, like, oh, can I see that ring? And she's like, do you even know what that ring means? And I'm like, no. Can you tell me? And then she just rolled her eyes and didn't tell me. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I like this one. She's like, well, is that even her birthstone? I'm like, I I don't know. She's like, when's her birthday? I'm like, March. She's like, that's not her birthstone. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you weird hippie? Like, I'm trying to buy something from you. Just let me give you legal tender for this fucking ring you fuck. she, does, she,
1: she doesn't believe in capitalism, bro. It's not your fault.
0: No, it's exactly. She doesn't believe in capitalism or deodorant by the fucking smell. If of you
1: things. if you offered her a couple of tabs of acid, you would have had a deal.
0: Oh dude. <laughs> I feel like I feel like her acid days were well behind her and she was probably younger than me. Like that's how fucking <laughs> wastoid this chick was. I Damn. was like, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so did it on the, uh, uh, at my grandparents property uh, down on the creek, uh, which is my favorite place in the world, because it's where me and my grandpa used to go fishing, and it was raining out, so the creek was high, and Siobhan's like, well, the, the water's high, we should go swimming, and she went to go down the bank, and then I got down to one knee and pulled out the rig, and she turned around, and then I, I went, oh, fuck, I gotta say something now is what <laughs> went through my mind, and so I just started talking. <laughs> And I didn't stop. Uh, It was like the the fight or flight in my head was like, you know, if you don't stop talking, she can't say no. (laughs) Like, that was. (laughs) And like, it's not even like I thought she was going to say no. Like, I I didn't think that that was a possibility at all. I just was like, oh, fuck, I'm nervous now because it's scary, as you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Like, I choked up. I told you I forgot all the things I wanted to say. And it took me about. 15, 20 minutes to say what I had (laughs) planned to say. Um, And I'm usually not like that. So it was, uh, you know, one of those moments in my life, super special. I'm sure you feel the same way. It's a memory that'll last forever, man.
0: Yeah, dude. Until I get Alzheimer's, I'm gonna remember it forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: then you're why gonna forget. Then, then you're gonna, gonna forget. forget. Yeah.
0: That's why I want to record so much of my life because I want to make sure that when I have uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, I uh, I'm not uh, forgetting the the good things.
1: You know. I've ar- I've already started on certain symptoms. I've still continually shit myself. So there's you know there's uh, I'm, I'm I'm working my way up to it. You know. Dude,
0: I feel that. I totally feel that. Here, I sent you a, a picture um, on Facebook. This is what Halifax is like.
1: Oh, jeez! <laughs> delete, delete, delete. More, 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 more. Delete. <laughs> it's like I think I told this on the podcast. I don't know if I did or not, but like <laughs> one size. Was one time after the podcast spencer was complaining of having like an upset stomach uh the entire time like we had to take a break because he had diarrhea (laughs) and i was driving home and uh i get a message and i was like i look at my phone at the light and just a picture of his fucking diarrhea and i start gagging like i have such a weak stomach like i barely even looked at that thing just there because it was so nasty but i start fucking gagging like really hard and i like don't look at it anymore and i'm driving and i drive for like probably five minutes just constantly gagging and then i throw up in my mouth i had to pull over on the side of deerfoot and puke because you're disgusting poops so you have a problem man you really do dude that was the don't air that was the don't air that's what caused that stop talking about it (laughs) dude the funniest thing was (laughs) no don't don't even dude I'm in like, a, I'm really comfortable right now on my couch and like, I have like my table like kind of locked into the couch. So if I throw up, there's no turning back here. <laughs> there's nowhere to go, dude. There's nowhere to go. I got my brand new couch. Don't make me, don't make this happen you right know. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's not even like you could flush that one.
1: No, no. <laughs> You're fucking, yours like <laughs> rained out your ass, dude. Like that's so gross, man. Dude, that was a waterfall. <laughs> okay. Remind you of the creek, the pap- the best place in the world for you. Yeah, <laughs> was dude, the water I- high? Was the water <laughs> the- high? Yeah, it was ru- It was so high
0: <laughs> it fucking flooded the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh dude, I'm getting married. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> keep it up. It won't last for long if you keep doing that shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyways, oh, anyways. Fuck.
0: Anyways, okay. So, every episode on Misfits on Vinyl, uh we do a fun little thing called we review an album. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh and this week we decided because uh both of us could not decide between two albums with this band. Um you've read the description, so you know who it is. It's uh it's Billy Talent. Um but Aaron's uh, uh, uh favorite album from Billy Talent is Billy Talent two and mine is Billy Talent one so we're both going to actually it show you the, the like our favorite albums and then we're going mm-hmm. to review both of them together which I think is it's gonna be interesting because we've never done this before um but I'm interested because uh the reviews on both of these albums were very similar uh in terms of like critically
1: but sonically the the sound of both of them like they did change um it's like a what a 3 year difference between when these albums were released and the sound changed the band um and they talk about it too i have a little bit of my thing about how the sound changed from their first album to their second album and some of the themes they were talking about changed as well um but like really solid canadian band man like I like talking about Canadian artists. I like talking about artists that people our age grew up listening to. Like, I don't know how many people in Canada grew up listening to Billy Talent, but like in our age demographic, I'd say it's a good chunk, man. Um, Really, really awesome band. It's
0: definitely, it's definitely one of those bands that because of, again, CanCon requirements, we've, we heard them so much when we were in, Like around the age where like you start actively, I would say, pursuing different types of music. Like I uh, I remember when Billy Talent One came out, I was in like grade four, and I did not I I did not wait to go and get that album. I I remember I bought that one and Simple Plants first album (laughs) at the same time. And one of those albums I still listen to frequently, which is Billy Talent One. It's it's honestly insane how heavy they came out of the gate swinging though and like you mentioned like their sound changed so much in between the first and second album and i would say again between the uh second and third and the third and fourth but uh i would say the biggest shift was between one and two Mm -hmm. and i think that uh what really set them apart was that this was a time when a lot of rock stations were playing butt rock you know there was a lot of butt rock on the on the radio and so when Billy Talent One came out, it was so fucking different from everything else that was being played that it 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 really caught people's attention.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, like I put them in a the category of like bands listening, li- listening growing up that are Canadian. Like for me, they're like, like you said, you mentioned Simple Plan. I think of Sum 41, um, you know, I think of like Finger 11, Metric, like all these bands in Canada. I know Sum 41 is much bigger than just Canada, but. You know, those bands growing up at that time that were releasing music in the mid 2000s, releasing their best stuff, you know, in the mid 2000s, they come to mind to me, you know, being like, you know, eight or nine, 10 years old, listening to this sort of music. Um, It's slaps, man. The nostalgia trip was was really great this uh, this week, listening back to these to these albums. Oh, totally.
0: And I remember I remember the exact moment that I that I found this band out because uh, I used to watch much music video on trial all the time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the much music countdown every Saturday, I used to watch that instead of fucking cartoons as a little kid. I would watch uh, like the the, uh, video countdowns and then go mountain biking all Saturday when I was in like, you know, grades three, four, five, six. Like that was that was a big part of like what I was doing. Right. And I remember the music video for Nothing to Lose uh, coming on, and I was just so fucking captivated for so many reasons. One, that was, I think, the first time that I really found out about, you know, ixnaying oneself, unaliving Mm -hmm. oneself, as you say. Um, But secondly the way that they shot that music video was so fucking cool because they shot it in the first person perspective of the person getting bullied so you see every single step from them getting picked on going and eating in, you know the the washroom by themselves at lunch and then eventually going into the garage and uh, putting the hose into the exhaust pipe and putting it into the car and it was I remember just so fucking heartbreaking i was like you know in, in grade four i think I, I, watching it and i was just like this is insane what the hell but i was also so blown away by the vocals by uh the not just the vocal but the the echo of the vocals in the chorus and and uh like how heavy the guitar was yet still so melodic like there mm-hmm. were so many things about it that just really stood out to me
1: um, Man, it- Ian DeSa, the guitarist, man, he is super underrated. Um, oh,
0: entirely.
1: Like, he's a really, really talented guitarist. I think that flies under the radar for a lot of people. Um, I like like Justin, Billy Talent in general. Like, well, well, I'm sure we'll get into it, but like really big in Canada, like really big in like Germany and Austria and stuff like that. But as a massive worldwide audience, they're not a huge band. And uh, they fly under the radar for a lot of people. But Ian Desaw, man, he is crazy on guitar. And his background vocals are like a mainstay for, like, I'd say 90% of their tracks, man. And he's a really, really talented musician. Um, and he gets his hands kind of everywhere with the band, um, whether it's on the production side of things, art direction side of things. Um, so he's kind of, a, you know, pushes the direction of the band musically and visually in a bunch of different ways. So i um, big fan of him. And he's got that wicked, he had that wicked hair hair back oh, in the Oh, yeah. Day. Yeah, that, dude, fucking, like, that, like, blowout
0: almost. Like, that blowout. Yeah, straight gel.
1: Straight, oh. like, I don't know. He probably blew all of his residual monies just on gel at Walmart, bro. <laughs> like, straight up. He had the craziest hair back
0: in the day. Dude, that was one of the things that I remember from one of the video on Trials was somebody making fun of his hair. And I don't <laughs> even remember who it was, but I remember it very fucking, like, I remember them making fun of his hair. Um, okay, so let's get into uh, Billy Talent One first of all. Yeah, um, yeah let's do it. We'll just, we'll, uh, so the way that we're going to do this, we're going to go through Billy Talent 1, we'll review it, Billy Talent 2, review it, and then we'll go through the history of the band. And we'll just like, we'll kind of, we'll we'll keep the history short and sweet. But I feel like we end up finding out a lot about the band just through the two albums. Uh, so it's going to be easier for us because we have to just go past the first two albums and a little bit from before. Um, So Billy Talent, debut uh, album from uh, Billy Talent, it was released in 2003. It was recorded at the factory in Vancouver. Uh, The band had an album before called Watoosh and it was (laughs) released under their old name Pez. Uh, Fun fact, they went by the name Pez for about uh, eight years and then all of a sudden the group in the states that's named Pez sent them a cease and desist, and they had no <laughs> ground to stand on, so they had to change the name. Um, so, uh, this is honestly probably their heaviest album. I would say, like, like in terms of grungiest sound, um, it's got that post grunge sound, but it's also. I would say it leans more into the emo sound than, uh, than what would be traditionally considered post-grunge, especially for around the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the album debuted at number six on the Canadian album charts. It sold 7,700 copies in its first week. I guarantee you I was one of those 7,700 copies. Uh, it was certified four times platinum in Canada in January of 2021. And uh, between 1996 and 2016, it was among the top 15 best-selling albums by Canadian band in Canada and among the top 40 best-selling albums by a Canadian artist overall, which is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's held up so well. Um, This this album, honestly, it starts off so heavy with uh, This Is How It Goes. Uh, You know, you have this really crazy, quick guitar riff that builds in. And that whole song is actually about uh, one of the members dealing with ALS. Um, I just need to find here where this is. Uh, It was. uh, Fuck, I lost where that is in my notes. Um, But uh, to go to go off on this, uh, what they were talking about in this first album was a lot of stuff that they were dealing with at the time. And so when they say that their friend, uh, they're actually singing about themselves, which is mm-hmm. pretty crazy. So you've got, you know, topics of mental health. You've got topics of, uh, you know, really struggling with uh, coming to terms with, I guess, who you are. And it's weird to think back and, and realize that when they did this album, they were close to our age. Like, this is them out of high school by quite a few years because when the band formed, it was like 1993, and that was when they entered a talent contest together. So Mm -hmm. at this point, they're 10 years out of high school, you know? Um, So they've had time to process all of these things and then end up writing these songs. Uh, I think that something else that uh, does not get enough credit uh, in terms of this band is their fucking bass and guitar are like we've said before with certain bands they're actually an instrument they're not used as percussion um yeah. you hear the heavy fucking drums kick in on some of these songs like uh 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 let me just pull up the track list here for a hot second uh fucking uh, uh line and sinker line and sinker that's the one the fucking drums on line and sinker are fucking insane try honesty as well um and then cut the curtains. Cut the curtains. I think has one of the best bass lines out of their entire discography. Even though I do think that the bass shines through a little bit more on the album that you're gonna bring up with Billy Talent too. Um, and yeah, but fucking. What are your thoughts on that so far?
1: No, man. I think you're. I think you're kind of talking the same language I was just talking. I mean, they like on certain tracks, man. Like. Like you mentioned, the guitar is not an afterthought. It's a mainstay. Same with the drums. Punchy snare, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Super punchy snare. There's a I mean, a bunch of songs here, um, like the biggest, probably the biggest one on this album is more than likely River Below. Um, huge, huge track for them. Um, that's got all the elements we were just talking about there, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. Really, and, oh, but, sorry. No, Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say and and River Below was like, I I think you're right. I think it might have been their biggest one, but it was it was weird because they released uh, uh, Try Honesty and this is how it goes before they released that. And then they released Mm. fucking uh, Nothing to Lose before that as well.
1: And one thing I was going to mention, too, that just occurred to me, like this album came out. I was a little too young to listen to it. I was like, probably I was five when it released. But when the second one released, I was like eight or nine years old. So that's kind of the same ballpark you were in when this one released. So it makes sense why we both have a different connection to both albums um, just on a timeline sense. It does make sense. Totally. And and I think it's it's
0: interesting, too, because uh, we we both discovered and connected with the band at the same age, but the, the funny thing is, is I'm like, it's fucking wild to me that uh, I was allowed to listen to this album when I was a kid. And actually, this is where I have a really funny story about this. So I fucking loved the song Nothing to Lose so much mm-hmm. that when I was in grade five, there was a lip syncing contest at, uh, at my <laughs> elementary school. And I chose to do Nothing to Lose by Billy Talent. Now, this would have been fine in this day and age. I think that if you if you were to do it now, we talk about mental health enough now. It's in our fucking everyday vernacular. I think that, I think that, honest to God, any school they would be more afraid of the flack that they would get uh, from not allowing somebody to do this than having someone do this. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that the balance now would be different. But the person that like the the uh, teacher that was organizing it. Uh, said, no, absolutely not. We are not letting you lip sync to a song about suicide. And my mom sent a fucking scathing letter. And <laughs> it was like, it was like, I believe that in order to avoid certain sensitive issues like this, we need to talk about it more. And like, just fucking went off. Well, they wouldn't let me do it. So in retaliation, I did the fucking cringiest thing I possibly could have done as a little fucking uh uh you know uh 10-year-old me I went in the opposite direction and I did celebration
1: <laughs> like <laughs>
0: celebrate good times come on cool in the I, gang uh, yeah dude and I went all fucking out with it and people were like so goddamn uncomfortable because I was just like I was humping the guitar I was just fucking like <laughs> doing like weird shit dude and I was like, I was like, oh, Yo, you don't want me to do the song about suicide? Great, let's celebrate life, motherfuckers.
1: There's a party going on round here. here.
0: Celebration.
1: The last, last of the, the years. years. Take <laughs> the your good times and your laughter too. too. we going to celebrate, celebrate the party with you. Come on now. Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh uh, that's fuck. a good that's a good story man yeah i i personally uh when i was listening to this kind of music i had like the worst haircut of all time i, <laughs> I was like in like grade three and four and i like had like long bangs and i shaved the back of my head like oh <laughs> god
0: Dude.
1: I, just terrible man
0: well you had that i had fucking tit length blonde hair uh and everybody kept calling me a little girl i also had an ear pierced and so i i was like no i'm not a little girl and then people would be like oh your daughter's so nice to my mom i used to get so pissed about it dude no wonder i wanted to fucking sing a song about killing myself uh anyways
1: (laughs) Anywho. anywho Uh, uh, so, we're gonna get demonetized for all the monetization that we get, anyways. Um. Yeah,
0: for all of our all of our uh, uh, millions of dollars. Listen, we we, yeah. we 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 were in the ground fucking floor with uh, podcast one. Um,
1: yeah <laughs> you know we're making so much money i was able to buy this 70 dollar mic yeah we're making
0: so much money brendan schaub wants to talk to us um, i know i know <laughs>
1: <laughs> coffeezilla is about to make a video about how we got duped yeah we got
0: duped baby uh okay so chart performance of uh billy talent one uh okay so it actually charted on the billboard 200 it was it was one ninety four. But mm-hmm. it was 11 on the Heat Seekers. Nice. Uh, in Canada, on the Billboard charts, it was number six. In Austria, it was 38. And in Germany, 97. Nice. Uh, and that's the official. It's literally mm-hmm. what it's... The official. That's how it's written. <laughs> um, now, uh, certifications. It is four times platinum in Canada with 400,000 records sold. Uh, mm. It's gold. Uh, the anniversary edition was gold in Canada. It's platinum in Germany with 200,000 records sold. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's silver in the United Kingdom with 60,000 records sold. Um, When it comes to ratings from critics, it was very favorable, honestly. It was uh, all music's aggregate is three out of five, which for a debut album isn't bad, especially when you look at what the other uh, uh, ratings are. Like Decoy Music gave it eight out of ten. Uh, the Daily Princetonian gave it favorable. Uh, Ottawa's Express gave it four and a half. Uh, Q magazine gave it three. Hard Rock, 9.5 out of 10. And Sputnik Music, it was four and a half out of five.
1: Nice. Um,
0: it was also uh, ranked uh, number four thir- uh, 453 in Hard Rock magazine's book of the 500 greatest rock and metal albums of all time in 2005.
1: That's pretty good for a recent, a recent add to that pick that to that list. That's a, uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that about that. Album.
0: Yeah. I, I had no idea either until, until I got to that. Um, it also uh, had four singles, try honesty, the X river below and nothing to lose. Uh, try honesty. It's really funny because you, you see that song and river below popping up in so many fucking movies around that time that were mm-hmm. like, Not even Canadian movies. Like, uh, I I don't know if you ever saw the movie Grind. I haven't. Okay, it's got funny fucking cameo from Tom Green and a great, like, side plot with Bam Margera as, like, one of the main characters. (laughs) But he's, like, kind of an antagonist because he's a dick to this girl and then these skate bros are, like, nice to her so then she fucks the one guy. I don't know, it's a whole... It's one of those weird, you know, 2000 comedies. Uh, mm. fucking haggard as hell, dude. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> so both those songs end up showing up in that movie though, which I think is pretty wild. Um, as well as here comes the boom. Uh, that's that's another song in that one, and some shaggy tracks. Anyways, oh, nice. that's the end of uh Billy Talent One. <laughs>
1: Nice. Do you want to rate this thing?
0: Yeah, let's rate it. So every every album we review out of uh, a scale of 10, and we rate out of... Uh, let me pull this up here. Technical element, musical element, reception, lyrics, album art, and does it hold up? Uh, technical element. Uh, we should also mention that both of the producers uh, on... It's the same producer on both albums. Um mm-hmm. So that was that was something I forgot to mention. I know that you'd written about the producer so I was going to wait until um, Yeah, we'll uh,
1: we'll talk about it. I think it's uh his name is um Gavin, Gavin Golden Brown.
0: Yeah. Gavin
1: Goldenbrown. Golden is- yeah golden and uh just for context i'll skip over this when i talk about but he's worked with a bunch of canadian artists like great big c uh metric cancer bats mother mother the hip bare naked ladies three day gate three day three days Grace. Three days, three days, days. <laughs> he's, he's also worked with like uh lady gaga um he's worked with Hoobastank, so he's got like all, <laughs> uh, interesting Fucking credits uh, but yeah he's uh yeah, he works out of, I think he works out of Vancouver. He's, yeah, basically worked with any Canadian band of any name, basically. He's got uh, credit on a single or an album with them. So um, Gavin Golden Brown is the producer.
0: Gavin Golden Brown. Fuck yeah. Okay, so technical element. Uh, I mean, this album is mixed very well. Um, And when it comes to the layering of tracks and everything, I think it's really interesting because there seems to be, an intention when like backing vocals are either heard clearly or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when it comes to different tracks, you know, like cut the curtains. It's like very much like a, a chant almost um, when it comes to like try honesty, it's it's more so like uh, giving an aid to not not uh, not adding another instrument. Um, so I, I think te- technically it's mixed super well. It sounds super crisp. Um, sounds just as good now as it did twenty years ago. Um, so I'd I'd probably go an eight out of ten on the technical
1: element. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I agree mostly. I think I'm going to put it at a seven just to to balance the rating out. I think seven. I'll go seven and a half on it. Um, seven and I a half. Th- I agree with a lot you're saying there. I think the layering of the tracks and the layering of the backing vocals, um, the way the guitar sounds is layered in and the drums, how punchy they had them um, is all, you know, a test to how how great the mixing is on the album. So I'll go seven and a half.
0: Hell yeah. Okay. So we're at a 7.75 musical element. Well, we've talked about this a lot. Like, okay, the guitar on like, honest to God, the first four Billy talent albums is so fucking good. There is not uh there's not a song where it doesn't shine even when it's not you know even when there are songs that you know the drums or the bass are the main focus of it uh the guitar still shines through because he's just so fucking he's so for lack of a better term fast like he's fast while still being melodic which i think is really important
1: um I'll i'll tell you what when i saw them live He's just as sharp live. They were oh. really, really great live, like super tight uh, live. Like his guitar playing live was really, really impressive. Um, just on a side note, we'll talk. I'll talk about that more later, about when I saw them last year, uh, how it was a pretty wicked concert. So fuck yeah. And and like we also got to talk about this, too, because
0: this is OK. The last track on the album, which I think is interesting that they they they, their final track on this album, "Voices of Violence," mm. I find it weird that they did not end it on uh, on "Nothing to Lose" because it it it, it be, like it if they had left it on "Nothing to Lose" and then it starts over again at uh, "This is how it goes," that would have been a fucking great uh, you know chance for them to almost make it a full story. Uh, I feel like if they had if they had done that, and it also I I like when albums kind of end like when they when they progress in a way where there's a logical conclusion. Voices of violence feels like it should be in the middle of the album, um, mm. but but when it comes to Voices of Violence, what I'll say is that song every fucking instrument shines through, and mm. it and it does kind of feel like it should be uh it, you know it feels like it was added afterwards because they were just like hey, we have this song that uh, the vocals are amazing, the guitar is amazing, the bass is amazing, the drums are amazing. We don't know where to fucking put it. Uh, Let's just make it a a B-side, you know? Like, that's kind of what it felt like. Um, So when it comes to musical, though, I will say everything really shines through where it shines through. And I do think that they as much as I can have my nostalgic glasses on for this album, I do think that they got better in time a mm-hmm. little bit. I think that they, I think personally, I think they peaked at dead silence. I think that that's where all of their instrumentation was just perfectly fucking le- like layered. Um, but I would give musical, I'd say a seven and a half.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point. Cause I do, I do also agree that they got better as they went on musically. I think their sound became more complete um in later albums i'm going to go with a 7 on it 7 fuck yeah okay so we're at a 7.75 lyrics okay now
0: this one i'm going to go a little bit higher on because i feel like there's a few reasons that i would go higher on this one one is i think like at the time there was not anybody getting like the MTV and much music airplay that was having songs about someone fucking killing themselves because they were bullied, you know, like that mm-hmm. was something that was so, and the way that they did it too, you know, like need more friends with wings. uh, Like that's such a fucking heartbreaking
1: lyric, you know? Well, well, um, I even remember being young in that, like resonating, um, being a powerful lyric, even being, You know probably a little too young to understand the gravity of exactly what they were saying but i remember that lyric sticking out you know being like under 10 years old and still you know that that having that you know um having that resonate with someone that can't quite understand the whole concept of you know unaliving themselves or suicide or killing themselves like having that still resonate with with a young person understand what they mean without understanding the whole gravity kind of speaks to the quality of the the lyrics um and even just through the tone of the lyrics and the tone of the messaging to get the message across when you might not understand like when i was younger I might not understand the whole complexity of the lyrics but to, i understood what the message of the song was i got it um without having the context of you know life experiences and things of that nature to to relate to it more um it just kind of speaks to the the um accessibility of the lyrics in a a song that got radio play here while mm-hmm. still keeping a strong message and keeping a you know a difficult topic to talk about but making it accessible for a range of people
0: well and i think that that's the thing that
1: that really shines through with their
0: lyrics across the board in in all their albums is that like they're able to say so much without having to like they dance the line of metaphor just perfectly enough where the, mm-hmm. you, you know exactly what they're saying, but when it comes to the CRTC or the FTC, they couldn't actually give them any shit for it.
1: You know, like and that, co- that comes up on the next album too, with a certain track in particular, um, which we'll talk about as well. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, definitely, definitely. I'm going to go, I would say I'm going to go high, high ish on it. I think eight is a, a fair rating for me for, for lyric wise. Um, yeah.
0: I, I'm gonna go an eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I I think I'm gonna go an eight and a half on this one. Um, okay, uh, reception. Uh, it was well received, especially for a debut album. Um, I think like the all music aggregate, you know, putting it at a three and a, uh, or a three out of five, totally fair. I think that that's probably where it's gonna lie. You know, like
1: it's probably gonna be a seven on this one. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think that's fairly fair in the grand scheme of things. Like if we we have this like. We've kind of come into this before when we've talked about Canadian bands or bands that don't have massive international success. It's like, what is, how do you define the reception of the album, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're getting talked about by smaller publications. Um, They don't have the sales that match like a large, large artist, uh, you know, like some of the other bands and performers we've talked about in the past. So how do you, how do we rate that success? You know, in comparison, when we talk about like a Fleetwood Mac or Bruce Springsteen, these massive artists, how do you compare that that way? Right.
0: Well, Um, and I think that for this one, like going off of the like the fact that it's maintained such a high sales percentage over the years like that, I think, is where I would I would lean a little higher than than what I would originally say based off of the initial release. Right. mm -hmm. Like, I think the longevity of it it makes the reception kind of uh, like that sways it for me personally, if if that makes sense.
1: And we've talked about albums too, that over time have gained, you know, more of a popularity. This one has kind of stayed, um, you know, or gotten a little bit better from when it was first released, but we've, we've encountered that in the past too, where we've talked about an artist where the album in retrospect has gained, you know, um, much more commercial success than it did when it was originally released. Um, But I would I would personally come in at like a six and a half, I think, um, in my opinion. That's fair. So we're at we're at like a seven point seven five still album art.
0: Okay, this one is interesting because for their first three albums, they had very like distinct album art, but it was all very much in the same theme because. With this one, you have the band with, like, the yellow and the the uh, red, like, starburst, almost like uh, 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 Empire of the Rising Sun-style fucking background.
1: Yeah, it's like broken glass that surrounds the shadow of yeah. the band. Like, it's some sort of cracked... Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's like, it, it, it's like you have that sort of uh, thing that stands out. Although, I will say this, this is a Mandela effect thing for me. I 100 percent thought they were on the other side of the album when I was when I was re-looking at this. I thought that the the band was standing on the right side of mm. the album and that Billy Talent was uh on the right side, like the writing. Uh so that was a weird moment because I looked at it and I went, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> uh but uh but yeah, I think like they, they have a consistent theme without their first three albums because it, it was a trilogy, you know. They mm-hmm. they they made it a fucking trilogy. Um I would say in terms of Canadian albums, this is a pretty recognizable one. I think that both their first two albums have such recognizable fucking
1: uh, mm-hmm. album
0: art. I'd probably go with I I'd say seven and a half to an eight, somewhere in there.
1: See, I I find this second album much more iconic in um the visuals personally um it is like you know nostalgia factor putting that into play as well like it's a recognizable album for me but i don't think it's overly like this this album we're talking about billy talent i don't think it's overly anything spectacular um album cover wise i i personally would put it more in like the six and a half range um, it's pretty standard stuff for a smaller band's first album cover. It's nothing that, um, you know, it's not a, a super unique piece of art. It's a shadow of a band, um, mm-hmm. you know, computer generated. Um, so I, uh, I, I'm going to go at a six and a half.
0: No, dude, that wasn't computer generated. They really stood in yellow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just, just nothing, nothing spectacular for me. That's all
0: yeah yeah uh no that's fair okay so does it hold up that's the big question i say yes
1: i say yes and i know some of this like we've talked a couple different times but like some of it is definitely on a nostalgia factor i don't think this style of music is nearly as popular as it was at the time um like in that sense sonically like if you were to compare it to, to today's standards um i'd say no it's a little different than where the rock scene is now but I would say as a listener personally, I think it's it it stands up. It holds the test of time. It's still very popular um in the Canadian music scene. I still hear you still hear tracks of this on the radio. Um if you listen to, you know, X or something like that, uh here in Calgary. So I would say yes, it ha- it holds up.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Okay, so out of ten, we got a seven and a half.
1: I think that's I think, pretty fair.
0: I think that's pretty fair. Uh, All right, so let's get on to Billy Talent 2. You doing this one, Aaron?
1: Yeah, I'll talk this one through. Fuck yeah, let's go. All right, so Billy Talent 2 is the second studio album by Canadian rock band Billy Talent. It was released June 27th of 2006. It debuted at number one on the Canadian album charts, selling 48,000 copies in its first week. Um, The album also reached number one on the German album charts. So this is where I was talking about earlier, the German popularity kind of comes through. It also peaked at number four in Austria, I think, in like the top 25 in Finland. So it's kind of uh, has a bit of a European success as well for the band. Um, It's been described as a post hardcore alt rock punk rock album. Um, It was recorded primarily at the Warehouse Studio in Vancouver uh, through late 2005, early 2006. That studio is actually owned by Brian Adams. Um, really? So, yeah, a fun, another fun little Canadian connection there. Well, um, good
0: thing none of the members of the band are Asian.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that reference.
0: Oh, he uh, during the pandemic, he he was all mad that his concerts got canceled, uh, and so he was like,
1: he posted a thing that was
0: like, uh, you know, I was supposed to be playing at such and such stadium tonight. But because of some bad eating such and such in China, now we can't do the concert. Uh, be vegan. And like, it was just so cringy, dude.
1: It was so fucking cringy. So it's like not as bad as what Mark Wahlberg did. But, you know, it's yeah. getting, getting to that point. Could still, go there. Still annoying. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Uh, like we mentioned before, it was produced by Gavin Golden Brown. Also, producer credits go to Ian DeSalle, the guitarist of the band. Um, despite its great success in Canada and Germany, the album was not as successful in the United States. It peaked at 134 on the Billboard 200 music charts, selling 7,200 copies in its first week. So better than their first album, uh, performed a little bit better, um, but still not, you know, that breakthrough album for them in the U S mainstream music rock scene. Um, the album So this is something that they talked about. I have a quote here coming up as well. The album has less anger, anger and language than their previous self-titled album (laughs) as they had mellowed out and matured as men um, and as a band. More songs dealt with real life issues uh, to the praise of fans and critics. Um, So here's a quote from Jonathan Glaunt. He was speaking to the Ottawa Sun. He said, we want to do something completely different from the first album, from the first record because we had changed dramatically and had learned a lot from personal relationships. Everyone in the band was partnering up and dealing with those issues. The general theme of this record is trust and the lack thereof or breaking up that this, that seemed to fuel the record. Uh, So that's something he mentioned around that time when the album was released. Um, One, this is actually a unique connection to me. Um, But beginning of the fall of 2005, songs from the album were purposely leaked by the band um a demo of red flag circulated across the internet even though it had already appeared on soundtracks to some video games which i was playing at the time uh, burnout revenge burnout legends sxx on tour and oh. nhl 06 um nhl 06 is the big one for a lot of people that's like uh, if you're into sports games at the time the NHL franchise were known for having like really awesome rock uh focused soundtracks um the, the games really kind of suck now but back in the day um they really like I still I still play NHL games but back in the day they were really really uh known for having like wicked soundtracks dude um, and,
0: and like honest to god NHL 08 that soundtrack introduced me to so many fucking amazing artists like the, yeah. I totally get what you mean. Well, that's the thing, though, too, is like, dude, video games used to be a way for people to discover music, and it doesn't really feel that way anymore. You know, like, no,
1: it's like- it's different. It's different now, certainly, because everything is mostly online focused um, that you don't really pay attention to the soundtrack like you used to in previous games. Um, but yeah, like that song on HL06 is kind of how I got introduced to Billy Talent. Um so really cool that 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 you know it was mentioned in the research here. I was able to find that, but yeah, like it was on a bunch of different games through EA. So the Burnout series, SXS on tour, like I said, was NHL six. It was also on the Atlantic Records compilation, um, Black by Popular Demand, um, which is an <laughs> interesting name. But anyways, uh, so Dude, that's I have Justin the... Trudeau. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Black by Popular Demand. So I have a list of the singles they released with this album. Uh, Devil in a Midnight Mass, Red Flag, Fallen Leaves, Surrender, and This Suffering. Um, and dude, one more
0: track that I absolutely every fucking time I hear it, it just brings me back. The Navy song, mm-hmm. dude, the guitar riff in the Navy song just fucking it it hits so different, dude. I don't know what it is. Uh um, man. Met-
1: Man, those singles I just mentioned too were like all over much more music. Yeah when this album came out. The music videos were always being played. Um, so yeah, really cool. I love the song Surrender. It's my favorite uh Billy Talent song. Um really, yeah. really like that track. I actually watched a video doing research for this. They were talking about that and how they purposely um wanted to make a song that sounded different than anything they'd done before and that was their idea going into that song um and yeah it's a really great track like i said my favorite billy talent song Um, and what we were talking about earlier about how they talk about you know certain subjects um but make it still radio friendly like talk about devil in a midnight mass um one of those tracks too uh, where they talk about certain subjects that aren't exactly, uh, you know, easy to talk about, and even the music video referenced a bunch of stuff too. Um, yeah, cool, cool song, cool album. The bass on that track is just crazy too, um,
0: dude. And so creepy the fucking vocals in that track, mm-hmm. man. Like it's haunting. It's fucking yeah. haunting, dude. Like. Mm-hmm the The fact that that song was one of those songs that everybody was like using as pump up music too, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was. I remember, I remember that blaring in the fucking locker room at 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 rodeos and at hockey games and fucking everywhere, man. Like it was, it was everywhere. Uh, fucking, I sent you the the video of it today. Andrew Lagoda guy from uh Portugal, his section or his segment in New World Disorder Eight. It literally kicked off the mountain bike video, which is like that is for those that don't know, the New World Disorder movies were the biggest mountain biking movie franchise of all time. Like Mm. you will never see that again because now everything is about clips. But like at the time, the whole fucking year, you waited for New World Disorder to come out because you knew that there was just going to be some insane shit and That was the first movie that they had, or that was, oh no, that was the second movie that Andrew Legata guy was in. Um, But it, uh, it was how they, that was how they started it. And I just remember that guitar riff coming in and everything being in slow motion at first, and then just fucking bang. It's just all of a sudden this insane amount of tricks that people were doing on BMX bikes. This dude's doing it on a mountain bike on like massive jumps. Um, such a side note from what we're talking about so i apologize
1: but, anyways uh... i do I, I also just found one correction to what we were talking about earlier so it's actually ms not als just just oh for...
0: fuck okay yeah
1: so andrew uh solo i'm tough name to pronounce the drummer uh he he's dealing with ms just for a correction there um Anyways, uh, you were speaking about the voice and the, you know, the sound of his voice, like the lead singer, Ben, like his voice is very unique too. just something we haven't talked about as well. Um, like, I don't, I want to, like, I don't want to use the word shrill cause I don't think it's correct, but there's like a, you know, like a rawness, but not in like a low, like grungy smoker sort of way. It's like in a higher pitched um, nasally sort of way with his vocals that come through a lot on this album specifically. Um, that's a, you know, that really shines through, I think on the, the piece of music they released with, with this record. Um, I don't know if you feel similarly, but there's, yeah, there's something about his voice. Like it's not I like, I know shrill is not the right word. I'm trying to find the right word for it. No, but, but I,
0: I know exactly what you mean. Cause it kind of sounds like if, uh, if, uh, if the lead singer of ACDC
1: could actually sing. Mm, it's piercing that's probably <laughs> piercing there we go because <laughs> <laughs> for some reason shrill comes in like a negative context but like when i look up the definition here it's high pitched or piercing um i feel like that's uh you know pretty accurate to his his vocals it totally um,
0: is and and i think that it's it's interesting too because like there there isn't really anybody with his the cadence either when it comes to his singing
1: so this album, uh, on the reception side, it sold like four hundred thousand copies in Canada. It sold two hundred thousand copies in Germany. Um, received really positive reviews. So Absolute Punk um, had it at an eighty-nine percent positive rating. That's a you know an aggregate score. All Music had it at it looks like a three and a half, a four and a half out of five. Um, IGN had it at a seven point nine out of ten. Jam had it at that same four and a half out of five and Sputnik music has it at a four out of five. Um, Hell so, yeah. fucking yeah. Yeah. Pretty nice ratings, man. Uh, positive reviews of the album. Um, I think it's, you know, like I said before, one of those albums for me personally, that takes me back to being younger. Um, like even just re-listening through, I haven't listened to this album in years. Um, Kind of takes me back to like listening to like we were talking about with the City in Color episode, listening to like Alexis on Fire, listening to City in Color, listening to, you know, Billy Talent, listening to Metric, like all these bands that were getting popular radio play when we were younger, um, you know, that were big deals to us growing up. It brought me right back into that. You know, I started listening to bands I hadn't listened to in a long time um, because of that. So it was a, it was a good little trip down memory lane for me personally
0: well and i gotta be completely honest when it comes to billy talent too i didn't actually buy this album when it first came out i had a few of the singles uh like i had i had the first three singles like i had devil in a midnight mass red flag and fallen leaves on my ipod right um Mm -hmm. but i didn't I, i bought the first and then the third billy talent albums um it wasn't until like it would have been like 2011. I borrowed it from a friend and uploaded it onto my computer and then then started listening to it. Uh, so I I actually listened to three a lot more like earlier all the way through than I did two. Um, mm-hmm. And what I thought was interesting was going going in that order. I I realized how much better two was than three. You know, like it, three kind of felt like there was, you know, we've talked about how they got better sonically. But w- I do feel like three kind of took a sidestep and it wasn't it wasn't like they progressed more. They, it wasn't like they got worse or anything. It's just it felt like three was two point five. Yeah. You know, uh, like you even had like songs that were flat out just sounded lyrically the same as as on two.
1: There um, wasn't that there wasn't that same jump. Um. No. You know, and uh i I agree with you on that. and like even like you know i i I went and listened back to a bunch of their stuff, and I even have listened to some of their newer stuff, which sounds so different than anything they have ever made before. <laughs> uh, even when I went and saw them last year, like I listened to Crisis of Faith, their most recent album. uh, there's one song that was getting like a a lot of uh there was two that were getting a lot of radio play uh here. In Canada, like I beg to differ, and then End of Me with uh Rivers Como from Weezer. Um, just so different than anything they've released before. It's kind of gone more in uh the radio friendly, uh poppy rocky sort of uh genre um than it has than they had previously been in the past, which I mean um they've changed with the times, I guess, is the what I'm getting at. Cause when they were releasing this album this was the popular style of rock music um from bands like my chemical romance to um you know like i've mentioned before alexis on fire stuff like that this heavier um you know post hardcore um punk sort of sound that that was different from the early 2000s stuff different from the pop punk of some 41 and simple plan it was heavier heavier stuff this was the popular style of music Um at that time so they kind of you know were setting the bar or a part of that movement uh after 2005 so like i'd say like 2005 to 2008 was kind of the peak of that style of rock music um at least for me personally
0: yeah and i i think it's interesting cuz like i do feel like this was the album that ended that trend you know like it it really it around this time what ended up becoming popular on the airwaves, especially in Canada, with shit like Marianas Trench. You know? Like, mm-hmm. we really, we took a fucking, man, I, I was just talking to somebody about this, uh, like, the uh, Mitchell Saddleback, he's the guy that I'm uh, uh, living with here. He's also in the cast of Pelaggan, which, by the way, opens up tomorrow, so when this podcast is out, we're in the run in Halifax. Uh, but we were talking about how, like, from 2007 to 2011, there was just bad music.
1: You know, it like was like the- down with Webster and Headley yeah. was like, what was popular here in Canada? Mariana's trench is a good pick. Um, yeah. Like they went, it went to like a pop rock sort of deal, uh, more than anything. And that, that time in music anyways, was like transitional. Um, there was like the weird like influence of dubstep into popular tracks, yeah, things like that. Like there was like any every hip hop song, like radio friendly hip hop song, had to have like a beat breakdown, uh, that was like dubstepy <laughs> in, in genre, or you, you know, the crossover from like country, country pop was getting popular as well. Like there was, the music had no sort of like, there was no solid leader in genre where it's like today, like hip hop and dance music is kind of the, like pop dance music are kind of the ones that control the radio scene. Where at yeah. this point in time, it was like a transition from rock, from the early 2000s, rock music and, you know, pop music was certainly still popular. Um, it was the dominating genre, but pop and rock were what was dominating the airwaves um, at this point, it was like in a transitional period, uh, where it kind of you know, the genre and the popular genres were changing from this heavier stuff to more, um, you know, radio friendly, generic, um, sort of cut and paste rock and roll, cut and paste pop rock, cut and paste pop, um, at the time. So it was in a, it was like right at the, I think it was right in the middle, like I think this kind of it's kind of, I think two years after that is where it, it changed, but, um, I Think personally at this point in time, like at least in Canada, like this was the dominating rock radio and dominating style of music, um, for a lot of people.
0: Oh, yeah, and and I think like it's 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 so true because it was transitional. Like you mentioned dubstep, but it's like dude, they had a dubstep to fucking everything around you know, uh, 2007 to 2011. Like that was such a, I don't know why it was like you know, there was a few bangers that really did stand out and I think like you know if we look back at that time who are some of the pop artists that are still going today we had like Rihanna we had Mm -hmm. you know Taylor Swift we had Kanye we had uh you know we had a few really good artists and then just so much shit and so many one hit wonders in that time that it kind of felt the same as like the late 90s you know. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think you're right like a transitional period in music and even like I was thinking about like even like you listen to rock radio today like I don't listen to radio very often anymore if I'm driving my car I'm listening to either my music or I'm listening to talk radio like I'm I'm a nerd with that stuff but like rock radio now like if I ever turn on CJ or X it's all like CJ is different because they just play like older stuff but X is like mostly folk based rock, like I'd say a good 90% of it uh, now is like kind of what's dominating the airwaves for them. It's not heavy guitars anymore. It's indie rock and folk rock. Um, yeah. Where like it, back in the to- back in this time, it was all this heavier stuff that had the dominating airplay. Well,
0: and it's weird, too, because like I remember when I was a little kid, CJ was the shit. Dude. CJ 92 was amazing.
1: It mm-hmm. was it was
0: like Honest to God, I remembered it from when I was in grade four when I lived in Invermere because we got CJ in Invermere, right? And so I remember listening to Jerry Forbes every single morning uh, on the bus on the way to school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, discovering, uh, you know, a ton of fucking great music from CJ back then because they would play things like The Killers and, you know, they, they were playing like what was the new rock at the time. And they they haven't changed at all. So now they're a classic rock station.
1: <laughs> like- <laughs> so I just looked up their recently played here. I'll read some of the roots. Funny enough, there's a Billy Talent song on here. But so since 2.30 this afternoon, so the past hour, I'll read past hour and a half. So they've read, they've played All Apologies Nirvana, I Am the Highway Audio Slave, The Drugs Mother Mother, Around the World, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, they played Limelight by Rush, Enter Sandman by Metallica. Uh, when I Come Around by Green Day, Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith, Out for Blood by Sum 41. Uh, what else do we got here? Unstoppable by Disturbed, Gone Away by The Offspring, Start Me Up by The Rolling Stones, Devil on My Shoulder by Billy Talent, Say What You Want by Beastie Boys, uh, Give Up the Grudge by Gob, and Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Uh, yeah, So, and I mean, they do play a lot of the same songs over and over um just looking at some of these other ones like a lot of our lady peace i see in guns and roses rob zombie they play dragula all the time uh, there you go another billy talent billy talent is now CJ's one of their one of their playables um but yeah they <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do they do play a lot of the same stuff unfortunately like uh i never grew up listening to cj but i worked in enough warehouses with a lot of blue collar people that swear by that station and they I remember working and listening to the radio all day and you would hear the same songs. Um, so Dude, not it surprising. Was
0: such, it was such a bummer too. when when Jerry Forbes retired, like, okay, so Jerry Forbes is someone like, I, I got to take a fucking side note for a second. Cause this is, this is Canadian broadcasting like history and, and like I'm nerding out for a second here, but Jerry Forbes, he was in a lot of ways. He was like Canada's Howard Stern for a while. Like he was like the number one fucking radio show in, in all of Alberta. He had, you know, people across the country knew who he was. Um, and his, his show was fucking crazy. He'd do, you know, all these crazy phone pranks. He'd fucking prank called the president of the United States. Like he did wild shit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when, uh, when I was hosting a show on GTFO radio, like, fuck, I don't know, this would have been, like, 10 years ago, uh, I uh, I got to interview him. But it the only time that worked was on the commercial break of CJ. And so I interviewed him while he was off air, but he was just about to go back on air. And, like, it was just so weird, like, going back and forth. But when he retired, that was when I knew, like, CJ is fucking... It, it's not going to be the same anymore. Because he retired in 2018. And they so he he had been co-hosting uh the mornings with jd and jd is awesome i i love this guy but the other guy that they got him to like uh Mm co-host with him uh he's a fucking weird dude it seems like jesse 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 yeah yeah
1: jesse and jd yeah oh man i don't know like radio is such a strange strange place now like everything is dominated by like iHeart whatever I Heart Media, like every radio station i feel like three out of the four big ones here three out of the five whatever it is the big ones here in town are all owned by the same company um, yeah
0: and you know what's crazy about that is that's because uh iheart the reason that it's dominating everything now is because the restrictions were lifted on how many radio stations companies were allowed to own um mm-hmm. because there was a point in time where they were not allowed to own Past a certain amount of stations, and when that was the case, there was more like regional, uh, like artists being played. But that's where like record companies, like in the nineties, this is where it became a big trend where you started to hear the same fucking songs at every single city that you went to. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a bit of fun broadcasting
1: history. Yeah, Uh, I mean that's why we have a lot of love for like CKUA and. You know, CJSW um, personally, uh, I mean, they don't always play great music, but, you know, I got (laughs) I got love. I got love for the independent radio stations here locally just for that reason. Um, Not only do they shine local talent, but they also, you know, play a different music. They don't play the same songs. They have unique radio shows, man. Like whatever happened to having a radio hour Or having two hours where a different host played a certain style of music, you know, curated a playlist. That's not a thing anymore. Like if you even listen to pop radio, you know, there's no uniqueness from show to show. Um, Hosts don't bring anything unique to the table. They're not, you know, they're picking from the same lineup of songs as the person before. Nobody's actually introducing you to, um, you know, new artists the way it used to be. Um and you know that's even probably before when we before our time really that that radio used to be like that but um it's you know as somebody that appreciates the um you know the the business of radio it's disappointing as a listener like so many people turn away from radio now because of that reason like you don't get you introduced to anything anymore and some of that's too is you know the domination of Spotify and all that sort of stuff where you can get curated music. Get introduced to artists based off your listening algorithm. But I mean, I don't know. Personally, I still, I still, you know, long for that radio thing because I still listen to, I'll, I'll listen to CJSW and, you know, Shazam a song just because it was unique and something I hadn't heard before. Right. Oh, yeah.
0: And, and, and the amount of times that I would be like, oh, I have to listen until the DJ is speaking again so that I can find out what that song was, mm-hmm. uh, you know that 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 doesn't happen very much anymore like and it's it it sucks too because there's not even okay let's look at it like this it it, it's hard for you to even find in both major and medium and uh small markets to not find the same dj doing multiple stations because uh the afternoons of or the mornings on x92.9 in calgary are also the evenings of uh, the Wolf and Regina. Mm-hmm. And it's because they just pre-record everything now because it's cheaper than hiring more DJs, you know? And so you don't have that personality. You don't have that uh, that nice touch of, uh, of somebody that, you know, knows the community and might go, hey, this is something that I think you might like. You know, yeah. this is something that I think you might like. And you don't get that anymore because th- there's... It, it's it's hard to even find programming directors at a lot of radio stations because a lot of times it does come from these big companies like iHeartMedia and they tell you exactly what songs you're going to be playing throughout the hour so you know djs yeah. don't have uh much uh, much point and
1: it's kind of a bummer
0: it's a it's a fucking bummer dude that's why well, we're it's like- uh,
1: when I was considering getting into radio, like before we actually started this podcast, like I got accepted into school right, to do radio, and that was like something I thought about quite heavily because I'm a big fan of talk radio specifically. Um, here locally, I'm a big fan of like the eye-opener in the morning, um, that sort of thing on CBC. I like the highlight of local stories. I like the highlight of local businesses and stuff like that. That's something I enjoy listening to. Um, You know, they have a wide range of topics, whether or not I'm actually interested in what they're talking about, but they have a guy that comes in once a week, a naturalist uh, that talks about a bird sighting he saw. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, (laughs) shit that, you you know, you know, I enjoy that sort of stuff, weirdly enough. But you know when it came to music radio like i i personally had no interest in getting involved because of those reasons that we just discussed like it was a uh, you know this seems like the the uniqueness of being a disc jockey is lost it's lost its luster
0: yeah there's there's not so much uh there there's not so much of that uh, it's a bummer but you know that's uh, that's the life we live
1: that's only why... only, uh, only, me and you could have a passionate talk about the state of radio. <laughs>
0: I know, but you know what? It's reasons like that that we are the number one English-speaking music history podcast in Chile.
1: Motherfucker! It's, it's true. The person uh, that listens to us in Chile is like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with all the radio stations they're talking about, all the specific <laughs> Calgary things they've discussed.
0: <laughs> I too like Wild
1: 95.3. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> just no one likes
0: wild 95.3
1: <laughs> back to billy talent that was a long sidebar uh we can review the album man um, yeah let's review the album here so uh, all those so same every... elements we discussed before you know yeah. I'm gonna say it again uh we're gonna review it on technical musical lyrics reception album art and does it hold up we give it a rating out of 10 um yeah we kind of discuss our opinions on it all that fun stuff so let's start with technical um technically uh how do you feel about this album spencer
0: uh, I feel very similarly about this album as I do with the last one. Um, yeah. I think that uh, I think that what's what's interesting is like they they have a producer that knows exactly what he's doing and he does it really fucking good, you know, yeah. on on both of these albums. And the it's it's interesting because we haven't actually reviewed uh, two albums by the same band before, um, even though we have done albums that have had. Uh, the same producer as a different album, so it's it's funny because you can't really see a progression so much in technical as you can in musical in this album. I think, um, I think that technically everything is layered super fucking well. Um, you you find in this album, I think you find that some of the instruments shine through a little more than they did on the last one, specifically the guitar. I think the, the guitar is is uh, the one that on this album really really shines through. Um, that fucking riff in the Navy song is just insane. It, it's it's so fucking crazy how you could just you could just play that riff without any other instrument and still have the exact same song. Um, so ah uh, fuck, I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to go and aid on this one.
1: I was thinking of sticking the same rating as I did the first time. I think an eight is uh, they, they didn't do anything differently, which isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I think an eight is a really fair rating. I think they worked with the same team. You know, they, they did exactly, they accomplished exactly what they did on the first album, but I think it's tight. It sounds good. It's mixed. Well, um, the instruments shine where they need to shine. Um, so I think, a, I think an eight is a fair rating. Yeah.
0: And then, uh, okay, so now musical. We're at an eight right now. I mm. I would go musically. This album's fucking incredible. <laughs> like there's mm. there's a big jump from from one to two here. Uh, and and like I mentioned before, two to three it just steps to the side and then it jumps again with Dead Silence. I felt that side note here. I feel like Dead Silence might be like that was their last good album in my opinion, and I think that it was their their best one. Uh musically, maybe not lyrically, maybe not in terms of singles, but I felt musically that album like shines above all the rest. Um But on this album I would probably go I'd have to go an eight on it. I'd go a solid eight. because uh, I think I went a seven on the last one. Seven point mm-hmm. five.
1: I would go so an eight on this one. It's funny that you mentioned it because I was talking about Billy Talent with Sarah, cause Sarah's a fan of the band too, right? Um so she put her list as two, three dead Silence is her favorites. Um, so it's a, you know, specifically dead silence being her favorite. So it's uh, interesting, the different perspectives, um, for fans of the band, but uh, anyways, yeah, I, for rating wise, musically um, I, I agree that I think it's, we talked before that it's an improvement. Um, I think the songs are tighter. Um, and the like, even the bridge and like something, um, like surrender, where it just like jumps right. I think i like that little jump there is like so sweet. Uh, it stands out is like taking a risk on a uh, on a musical element. Um, so I I'm gonna go an eight and a half on it.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. I I think that that's a that's a solid one. So we're at like an eight point one right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrically. Lyrically, I feel like, uh, again, this one, this one, I feel like as songwriters, I don't feel like there's much of a drastic improvement. I think the lyrics are just as good and just as poignant. It's just different topics that they're talking about, you know? So I, I would probably go, I'm going to go, ah, fuck, man, I don't even know. I think I went an 8.5 last time. I'll, I'll go an 8.5 again on this one.
1: I'm gonna go and eight. I think you're right. I think they did what they did strong on the first album, once again on this album. Um, and I think the real improvement comes from their 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 songwriting on the music side of thing more than the lyrical side of things. Um, so I think uh I think an eight for me uh sticks sticks true. Um I think it, you know, kind of um uh, they did what they did the first time around. They did it good. They didn't have to change up too much about you know the lyrics um how they wrote their songs lyrically. Um so I think an eight is a fair rating. Yeah, um, I,
0: I totally agree.
1: Reception. Um,
0: reception? Alright, well this one, uh, oh God. I, I don't know. It's weird because they 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 got so much more such better reception on this album. I, I it's not weird. Well um it makes sense because the first album was a fucking that was a that was a slow burner. You know that was mm-hmm. a that was a silent fucking stabber you know um (laughs) but uh after the throat was cut then they came out swinging and and so you know this one this one initially fucking blew everything out of the water uh i find it funny that this one though uh over time has not had the same number of sales as Mm. uh one When I don't know why that is, because there there was more singles off this album that were fucking, uh, you know, incredible uh, in terms of like what they did commercially. Like I talked about this with you in the in the group chat. I felt like the singles off of uh, this album, I didn't actually like as much as the singles off of one, but. I like the songs that were not the singles on this album better than the songs that were on one, you know, the only one that I would say on, on this one, I, I, I agree with you. Surrender, I think is, is one of the absolute best Billy Talent songs. So fuck. I don't know, man. I I, fucking eight out of 10, eight out of 10 on the fucking reception.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go a little higher than I did last time. I'm still going to, you know i think i went six and a half last time right mm-hmm. or, or maybe so i think i'm gonna go to a seven and a half it was an improvement from their first go around so i think a a seven and a half is my gonna be my rating for it i think they got that bigger success in canada like it s- opened at number one and it also peaked at number one in germany um it was higher in some charts in europe and they ended up following up this album with a tour in Europe, you know, playing in UK, playing in Germany, they play big festivals in Germany. They still to this day play big festivals in Germany. Um, you know, so I would say a uh, seven and a half is a fair rating uh, on, in my perspective for it. Um,
0: I would totally agree. And so I think we're right now we're at an eight uh, album art <laughs> fucking, I don't know fucking it's good fucking uh, uh i'm not gonna waste it's an eight album art's an eight in my opinion. yeah
1: okay i was gonna say i like it so much better than the first one like the mouth the mouth coming out of the the uh white background the billy talent too same font as the first one but the uh, yeah the mouth coming out of it is just uh super sick um, yeah yeah it does it
0: look looks- really good
1: yeah, like the jaw or whatever it is, like a doctor's, something you see at the dentist, right? <laughs> the the, dentures. the <laughs> yeah. dentures at the dentist. Uh, Dude, reminds I, me I, to brush my teeth. That's
0: like. I wouldn't know what that's like, motherfucker. Come it's on true. now.
1: It's hey. true. It's true. It's true. Um, when you go to get your teeth fixed, you'll be like, I want this smile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll note why. It's kind of yellow. Why would you want that
1: one? <laughs> it's actually quite white. Uh, is it? Yeah, it is quite white. Um, let
0: me let me look at the. Oh, it's the around the side that's yellow. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's just black specks on the teeth.
1: Yeah, yeah, cavities. Yeah, <laughs> cavities.
0: Fucking, that's what the suffering is about.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Where is the line, Aaron? Where is the root line? canal?
1: Root canal. That's what that song's about this suffering is about my root canal. Yeah. Um,
0: I got some sympathy for that one.
1: <laughs> does it hold up? I'd say yes. I'd say yes. I'd say that
0: it holds up. I'd say absolutely. So this one's eight out of ten. Billy Talent yeah. one is seven and a half out of ten. I think that that's fair.
1: Awesome. Now one more thing before we go. I didn't talk about it yet, but when I saw them in concert, one of the best concerts I've ever been to, just like energy wise. Yeah. Um, it was freaking insane, man. It was at the Grey Eagle, which is like not a great venue, just saying. But uh, fucking, it was nuts, <laughs> man. Like so many crowd surfers like a ginormous mosh pit like the band just had like wicked energy they sounded great like i said but like i've never seen so many crowd surfers in my life people would crowd surf they get thrown into the security security would walk them to the back and they just get up and crowd surf again
0: (laughs) oh shit
1: (laughs) yeah like it was insane man like it was like right like the re- restrictions for COVID had kind of calmed down finally at that point, and like it was insane, uh really, really awesome concert, dude. So that's
0: I, so crazy. Like,
1: yeah, because really that I
0: forgot that that was during fucking COVID too.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it was like two years into it, but it's still we still had that. Like you know, this past summer there was no one talked to COVID at all, but the summer before there was still uh, you know things in place. Um, not so much restriction wise but lots of talks and whatnot about it so um yeah really really awesome awesome concert props to them for putting on a great show like being in like their late 40s almost 50 they brought the energy um they really had a really awesome performance so dude
0: how depressing is that to think about they're, yeah, they're, they're like all, all
1: they're, they're like 40 they're like 47 like all of them are like 47 or 48 years old Oh, Jesus Christ. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Time moves. Time moves, Spencer. Time zero marches on. Speaking of time, I think it's time. I think it's time.
0: I think it's time. Uh, I I mean, we didn't get into about the band, but I mean, I think we kind of covered it throughout the entire thing.
1: Oh um, yeah, I forgot about... we were meant to do that. We just kept talking and talking and talking.
0: You know what? We we gave people so much this episode, and honestly, I've I've bled my heart dry for our fans yet again.
1: Um... <laughs> no, no. I, uh,
0: good I, good no, music
1: no. talk specifically today, man. It was really fun. Good episode. It's yeah, great to be it, back.
0: It was it was so much fun. Uh, yeah, this was this was a blast. Even even though we can't see each other, even because we're we're basically recording like a fucking phone call um (laughs) but uh but no it was it was a blast to be back uh we're gonna hopefully get a few more of these uh while i'm on tour here uh with palagan with act pick theater company uh we're currently uh doing a show run at the neptune from the 3rd of october until the 8th and then we're touring all around nova scotia before we go up to the northwest territories and we open at the Northern Arts Center on the 18th of October. Um, and then uh, we tour around the Northwest Territories to a bunch of communities. So if you are in any of the communities, uh, I don't remember what they all are. I am just going to get in the van and where we go, we go. Um, that's <laughs> it's <laughs> nice when you don't have to plan the tour. Um, but yeah, if people want to uh, uh, leave us a review, please do. It helps. So much. Um, yeah, leave us a five star review and then just shit on us in the comments. It's honestly <laughs> best way to do it. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm excited to be back. Like I like you said, we're going to be pumping out some more of these uh, makeshift Zoomy episodes over the next little bit. But uh, we're back, baby. We're and back. It's good baby. to be back. It's good to be back. I'm excited to see you when you get back into town. um I don't even know when you're back, but I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, it's been it's been great to be back. It feels like I'm home. October 29th, I'm back, Aaron. October Jesus. 29th. Yeah, well, I'm I'm back for a day,
0: but I, I fucking I, hey, I don't really count that. Like I'm back because my connecting flight to the north is in Calgary on the 16th. Uh hmm. so I have a day because it's an early morning flight. So I actually have the whole fucking day in Calgary, but I don't know how much I'm gonna do in my one day that i'm home after it being gone for a month and a half you know like I no like...
1: there's no there's no expectation i understand my man I, Fucking I feel... uh go ahead
0: oh no i was just gonna say like i feel like uh i feel like if i don't hang out with my fiancle, she'll get mad at me you yeah know?
1: i was gonna say i was <laughs> expecting us to record 15 episodes in 24 hours um, <laughs> it was my my expectation we
0: fucking blow out our whole fucking year we just get everything done in a yeah. in a day <laughs> yeah the,
1: the great 24-hour podcast race uh... honestly
0: we should do a 24-hour podcast That thought that oh be,
1: god you know, i'd be i miserable. wonder
0: i wonder what the longest podcast podcast ever recorded was let me just look this up uh world record longest podcast. all right let's see uh okay in uh I'm Mike Russell co-founder of UK podcasters community and New Media Europe uh was thrilled to host a 36 hour non-stop podcast on the 21st and 22nd of April of 2016. Uh he didn't sleep for the full 36 hour marathon and broke the world record for the longest ever continuous podcast. We can break that. We can fucking break that.
1: We get I, some guests organized and fucking order a flat of Red Bull and we dude, might be able to do it.
0: I think that we can do it. I think that we can do a, a, a longest continuous podcast.
1: <laughs> I I
0: have no doubt in my in my soul. Things will get wonky around hour 18 and until yes. hour 37. Um, yes. But I don't have any doubt that we could do it.
1: Just imagine how much we're going to have to spend on fucking hard drives.
0: Oh, dude. The amount like <laughs> I, I feel like what we would have to do is uh shoot at very low quality.
1: Yes. Yes. More than likely. Um, <laughs> and anyways, fucking anyways. No one would
0: listen to the full 36 hours either. No,
1: even I wouldn't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> I have a tough time listening, listening to us for fucking half an hour. So, uh, <laughs> anyways. Dude,
0: so do our so do our listeners based on the fucking yes <laughs> the al- yes al- <laughs> analytics <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> yes we're basically just doing it for each other which is we're doing the, it for uh, each other which is the best part about this um anyways man, I, I miss you man i i want to get off here i gotta pee so bad so
0: all right i'll talk to you later buddy and uh to everyone else there listening anal contusions